Welcome back to Bible Love. We're continuing our uh, journey through the prophets with Micah today. This coming out Thursday, the first week in Lent. If you didn't know, there is a colic for every day during Lent. Um, and so this is the colic for this Thursday. Let us pray. Strengthen us, O Lord, by your grace, that in your might we may overcome all spiritual enemies and with pure hearts serve you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So here we are in Micah. Uh, Micah is... Um, seven uh, chapters. Let me guess. Jerusalem messes up. God judges them. Yeah, you got it. So yeah, that's the prophets. You seem to be dealing with this a lot. Or Israel, not Jerusalem. Israel messes up. Yeah, it um, seems to happen over and over, which I guess is why we all do the great litany still, is because we mess up over and over. And isn't that just like the world? Um. So just a little bit on Micah. Um, he was a friend of Isaiah's. They were buddies. And he was from Judea, the southern kingdom. Um, and he thought that the southern kingdom was going to have the same problems that Amos had predicted in the northern kingdom that we talked about a few weeks ago with my uh, with Mitchell. But, I, and you know, that God's going to punish this these hateful people and all that kind of stuff. The same thing that we've been talking about with all these prophets over and over. But I was telling Alan, the one thing that I felt was more prominent in Micah, Micah than others was, and you know me, half, half glass full person, I really liked this, was um, there was like more signs of hope for the future. It, it felt more hopeful in a lot of ways. Um, so first, the verses one through three are really about this judgment of Israel and Judea. Um, and then when you move into four and five, like more um, restoration and peace, and then six and seven, sort of this war, this hope that that we were we, I was talking about earlier. And then there's this thing that happens also, this prediction of a, a new type of king. Yeah, um, you O Bethlehem, small among Judah, we all yeah. know that uh, is Jesus, but that comes from today. That's from Micah. Yeah. Um, which is really neat. And then the very famous line in Micah, and we can parse the or verse in Micah, we can um, parse all this out in a minute, is um, in uh, chapter 6, verse 8, what he requires is of, us, of us is this, to do what is just, to show constant love, and to live in humble fellowship with our God. You know, I always feel like, Christianity is pretty easy. Love your neighbor, love God, you're going to be just fine. But we screw that up all the time, um, right? We make it hard as as people, right? Um, and so, but that's exactly what this is. Just show constant love, do what is just, look for the right things, um, honor people, um, and live in humble fellowship with God. That doesn't seem like it should be too hard. Do you think, Alan? 
No, I mean, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God, right? I mean, put that on a sign and hang it on your wall and you'll sell a bunch of them at Hobby Lobby because they do. Because it it sounds real easy. Um, But Micah and Amos and Zeph and I, all these people wouldn't exist if it were that easy. Yeah. And again, that like complicated human nature comes up in all of this, you know, Um, and it's just so interesting because these these books of the Bible were written, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, and they were dealing with the exact same thing we are dealing with, you know, Um, there was some shootings last week, and I was like, man, we're just immune to that stuff now, you know, we're just totally immune to it. Um, It's just sad sometimes, you know, but what I really like about Micah is I feel like Micah's like, but there is hope, you know, there is hope. And I think that we can get caught up in the doom and bloom and not that we should ignore those things. I don't think we, we should be educated. We should be loving. We should care about the injustices of the world, but we also should remember that there is always hope in Jesus Christ, you know, and how do you balance those two? And I think my, that's one thing Micah's trying to show us is how, how do you balance those two? What do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, this year, year B, all the Hebrew scripture readings during Lent are the covenants, right? Yeah. And so you got, we had the covenant with Noah this past Sunday. We're going to have covet, covenant with Abraham, Moses, you know, all these, like several different times God had to come and say, okay, we're going to do this thing. I'm going to do my bit. You're going to do your bit. We screw up our bit. And so it seems like God comes back and says, okay, we're going to try this again. I'm going to do my thing. You're going to do your thing. Ultimately, that leads us to what Micah alludes to, um, the one who will be born in Bethlehem. That's the final answer to the covenant question is, you know, we can never hold up our end of the bargain. I think God knew that from the beginning. Um, Doesn't mean we can't try, but we're called again and again by prophets. We're called again and again by God to, to renew ourselves, to double down um, on our efforts to not to be good, right? Like the covenant is not to be good. The covenant is to be faithful, right? And in being faithful, we will do good, but it's not like we hold up our end of the bargain just because we're nice white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, uh, nice people. I think that's such a good point. It's not just to be good. You know, I think sometimes when bad things happen, we're like, wow, like I'm good. I'm a good person. I'm, you know, I do things for others. I'm good. But we live in a broken world. We do. And I'm not saying that it should be the opposite. Like when bad things happen, we're like, well, I'm faithful. I'm faithful. Why is this, you know, but it's, it's realizing that God is good all the time. The faithfulness doesn't require circumstances. Even in the the times that feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so upset. Why is this happening? You know, um, I've talked about this a little bit, but you know, I've been watching Murray in this immense pain for six months. You know, all of this resulting back to a wreck that happened 15 years ago. You know, and there have been a couple of times where I've been like, God, why, 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 why? We are faithful. We are good. Like we try our best. Why is this happening? God's not doing that to us. You know, this is 
this is just like looking back in the times of Micah, like there will be this brokenness. It is there. The world broke in Genesis, right? In the garden. That's when it broke. I'm about to do a Lenten study on that. That's when it all fell apart at the very beginning of the Bible, you know? And even though God keeps coming back to us, even though God keeps loving us in that, I'm not sure that brokenness will ever fully stop until Jesus comes back to us again. Yeah, that's the human condition, I think. Um, And there, you know, we started in Sunday Bible study, Gavin and I, Gavin, let's be honest, Gavin is teaching about uh, what happened on the cross, you know, atonement theory, like, and we're getting into it. He set it up this past week and he laid out kind of three broad strands. You know, there's like the moral example, like Jesus died to show us what it means to live. There's the um, penal substitutionary, right? Like we screwed up. So God's pointing a gun at us and only God can stand in the way of the gun. Um, and then there's the the ransom theory, the Christus Victor, maybe that like we are slaves to a broken, sinful, evil world. And there's evil out there and Satan prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he will destroy to quote scripture. And Jesus has rescued us from that, right? That's, that's what I'm teaching about is Jesus rescuing us from that. And there was some conversation about, well, what if we don't believe in Satan? Okay. Um, Are we talking about like devil with pitchfork Satan? Because I'm, I don't have enough faith to live in a world in which evil is not real. Because otherwise, it's just chaotic, and that makes no sense to me. And so, there, you know, we're going to talk about terms and like evil. We're not personifying evil as like horns in a pitchfork. Yeah. But I think um, one of the reasons we're always going to live in this broken world, and one of the reasons we're always going to need prophets to call us back to faithfulness, is because we're slaves to it. Mm. We're enslaved to the evil around us. Um, mm. No matter how good we try to be, we can't. Right. And I think I think when you think about Micah in that, so Micah does what a lot of times we do we we see in the, with the prophets is it, this first part is he goes okay uh, he is a human right so he's like oh gosh this really bad stuff is happening in Judea oh my gosh let me lament. God, how do I help them? You know, all of that. So that's like one through three, um, basically. Um, and 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 that's good, right? We should voice what our concerns are. We should voice where we need God to help us. And then he starts working with God and thinking about this with God and like, where can the peace be? You know, how can we show them that? And then at the very end, this message of of hope, right? And so if you think about your life that way in a particular situation where there's evil, you know, or there's injustice or not just your life, the world, you know, like, yes, it's there. We need to acknowledge it. We need to talk through it. We need to work through it. And we need to pray about it. And we need to think about how to find that peace and how to change that in our life. And then we have to remember that there is that hope, you know? So to me, I really like how it's divided. Like I can get my head around that simplicity of how Micah works through this, Um, even though it has much bigger words than that in all of this. But you know what I mean? Just that divisional way of looking at it was really helpful to me. Yeah. I And I think about, I can almost hear tone of voice in Micah 6a 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember exactly what your version says, but this version I'm looking at, he has shown all you people what is good. Like I can almost hear the frustration. Yeah. Guys, he, this to y'all? What are you he has shown you, right? Like yeah. we, we tend to like think of scripture as like this, you know, formal, like I can imagine Micah sitting there being like you people. And he goes on, he's shown you what is good. Just simple. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. And just a side note, I just discovered a website that has the top Bible verses ranked. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And so this Micah 6, 8 is number 99. We're in the top 100 Bible verses. Awesome. This is crazy. I don't know who's doing these rankings. Uh, hopefully it's not the same people that do the college football playoff. Because okay. then we're going to get something random. Um, out there, something from like Job is going to end up in the top because those people are crazy. Ooh. But there you go. Micah 6, 8. We got one of the top 100 verses right here. Oh. I'll, I'll put a link to the, uh, like the rankings. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. There's also like something about this book too, where, you know, I'm in seven. It's hopeless. I'm like a hungry man who finds no fruit left on the trees and no grapes on the vines. And then if you go um, into uh, into uh, chapter 7, um, we've sinned against the Lord. So now we must endure his anger for a while. But in the end, he will defend us and right the wrongs that have been done to us. He will bring us out to the light. We will live to see him save us. So it's like they know this. They know, they know, they've watched Egypt. They've watched, they've watched um, Abraham. They've watched Moses. They've, they've watched all this stuff before, right? So they know they've done wrong. And then if you go to 15, work miracles for us, Lord, as you did in the days when you brought us out of Egypt. You know, they, they, are, they know there is a faithfulness there. They know God can do this, you know, but it's like, what about themselves do they need to do? And, and that lamenting is part of it. And that, and we need to do that, too. You know, that's why we do the confession of sin every week. You know, um, and right now in Lynn, I don't know how your church is doing it, but, you know, we do the Great Litany and we're doing the Decalogue, which is even a more intense confession, right? Because we know with God everything is capable, but, but we need to voice that, you know? Yeah, yeah I mean, we're doing the Prayer of Humble Access. Um which we don't typically. Um, and so each week during Lent, you know, I'm not worthy to gather up the crumbs under the table, but your property is always to have mercy. And so at the, in the same breath, we can say like, we're never going to do this. We know it. And we also know that your very being, your prop, like who you are is mercy. Yeah. And I mean, that's the prophets holding, telling it like it is. But also sharing the hope. Yeah, you know, I struggle with that prayer for humble access. It's a little bit off topic. Um, I do it. We never, we never get off topic. I do it every week at the eight thirty service. But we are not worthy, but we are worthy because of God's love. Like it feels like it's we're holding up to intention, and that's okay. Like they don't, they don't have to be you know, everything, everything is not linear, you know, everything is complicated and spirally and, and all different kinds of things. But I do want people in the world to know they're worthy, that they're loved and that God's love is there. But I also want us to be humbled to know that we couldn't do any of this without God. 
you know, and so it kind of falls into both of those categories, you know, and I think it's why we need people like, like you said, like the prophets to help us see that and realize that, you know, um, maybe I should just do it during Lent too, because then it would like make more of an impact. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. I we don't really like it. And that now we're really off topic, but we said all we can about Micah. So we don't do right one typically. Um, but we have a baby priest, Gavin, who needs to learn the full breadth of the prayer book, or at least that's what I'm blaming. Um, mm-hmm. is cause I like, guess hard. I did a right one funeral. I haven't done one of those in a long time. Those are tongue twisters. It's hard language, but it makes you think about it. And so I'm not doing it because it's penitential. Like, I don't think Lent is this inherently penitential thing versus other times. Like Sunday is not Sunday stands outside of time, right? That's a whole theological piece. Um, but I, even as someone who has a degree in this stuff, I have to read the words more carefully when it's indifferent. So we're doing uh, 8.30 Strictly Right One. Our 10.30 service, um, we have the right one format in modern language. And so we replace the these and nows. So we're doing right one with the mock contemporary Lord's Prayer. Um, which is this juxtaposition. You're really, you're really confusing them. To yeah, that. we're really trying to screw them up. Um, and I have this this faithful, faithful man uh, who came to me. And he's like, you know, because I explained this, like part of the reason we're doing this is so that we can pray these prayers and think about it, not just do it from our memory. He was like, yeah. it was the contemporary Lord's Prayer. He'd never heard of it. And I was like, yeah, it's because we, I guess we've never done it in my time at St. Martin's. Um, and maybe it was a long time, but He's like, yeah, it's interesting to um, to not say deliver us not from evil. Like, what does it say when we're not maybe saying God leads us into evil or whatever it is? Like, just changing it up makes us think about different things. For sure. And, you know, to get back to the prophets, right? Like, maybe the reason there's so many of them is they become about things in a different way, in a different time. Yeah, that's and, a good point. Think about it. Well, the world needs all kinds of leaders. The world needs different perspectives and different ways of looking at it. And, you know, we might joke and laugh like it's the same story, but these were different parts of the of the area and the region. And it's not as much as like the same old story as we joke about, really, because, you know, Amos was in one region and Micah's in another region, and it's not like they can pick up the phone and call each other, you know. So the the importance of these stories and what they're all struggling is ac- is actually interesting to me that they're all struggling with this, even though they're in different places, you know. And we need to understand that it's not just here in the little good old USA. I mean, it's everywhere. It's all over the world that there's this struggle is happening and actually in way more worse places in way worse in other places, you know, we've got it pretty good in a lot of, in, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, it's good to have different voices and different liturgy and different ways of doing it and have people think and have this sweet man, come, faithful man come up to you. And I've never heard that. And you're teaching him something um, at whatever age he is. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, um, sometimes we think we have it all figured out or, or at least people in this country tend to to think that a lot. Right. And so what is it inherently about our book of common prayer and the Bishop's not listening to this, but if he is, I still do the BCP service at 10 30 and eight 30. 
But like we're developing the six o'clock evening service. It's not going to look like anything that's in the prayer book. Mm-hmm. It's not going to look like anything like it's because anyone who wants that is coming in the morning. We're doing right. something for people who yeah. aren't or like these wonderful um, folks, the Moorheads. Uh, I made a comment about the New Zealand prayer book that I love it, but I don't have one. And they reached out and said, can we give you one? Yeah. Please, oh, um, because we're and we're incorporating those. Like we wrote our own prayers to the people for Lent, and they, the Moorheads, pulled one out of out of the New Zealand prayer book, and so that's going to be incorporated. Like, let's take. I love it. And we just recorded an episode with an author you'll hear about this summer. Spoiler alert! Um, but her deal is she writes children's books that include characters of color. She is a uh, black female pastor, and. Um, including a brown baby Jesus book, right? And it's good for us to see a board book that has a Jesus that does not look like you and me. me Just like we need prayers that don't sound like, yep, there it is. You're watching this on YouTube. We need prayers that don't sound like us. We need pictures that don't look like us. Brown baby Jesus by um, Darina Williamson. Go buy it. Yeah, because you think, you know, I have a whole, I'm getting on a soapbox now. Books serve many purposes. Hey, you have like books, dormant. Sure. Yeah. Uh, books can be a mirror in which we can see ourselves in them. I've got plenty of books. I have plenty of liturgies that serve a mirror and I can see myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Books can also be a window and allow us to see a world outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Books like Brown Baby Jesus. Liturgies and prayers that aren't what we're used to, that sound funny to us, that we stumble over the words those are good because they allow us to see a world outside of ourselves. Yeah, I agree with you totally. I mean, I think it, I think I'm, it's okay for me to say that you're the same way that I am. I think we think a lot alike in this, like Alan and I don't have all the answers. I mean, but we are very interested in learning from people that do have the answers or that are different than us or that have under, have a different understanding than we do. Um, that's why we bring guests on as much as we do, because if not, we'd like, you would just hear probably the same thing over and over and over. Um, and so I mean, we're, I'm really excited about this summer's series. We're working, um, hard to put that together. Um, we'll give a little teaser. It's some Christian authors that, um, uh, Alan and I both really respect and, um, we're, we're, we're working on getting some others, but, um, we feel real honored to get to bring those voices to you and, and get you to encourage you to pick up books like Darina's book, um, not only for your home, but, um, as I told her in the interview, these, both of these books were in my anti-racism library at my church in the children's corner. Um, every church should have these. Um, and if you don't go get them. Yeah. So, well, okay, that's that's Micah, kind of with a little with a little little liturgy put in there. Um, sure. So that's not a bad thing. Okay, listeners, as always, we love you, but most importantly, God does. <laughs>